Hi everyone, this is Leah and welcome back to another Pet Talks podcast. Today's podcast is in memory of Atul Girmay Kalata and our guest today is his daughter, Bana Girmay. Bana Girmay is a lawyer, stylist and creative director of Mama Bana, which is a streetwear brand inspired by the coast of East Africa and Southern California. Prior to pursuing her interest in fashion, Bana worked as a securities lawyer at Goldman Sachs and also as a management consultant. She launched Mama Bana in the fall of 2019 with the goal of pushing the culture into the future. And currently you can find her managing all cylinders of Mama Bana from design to branding, marketing, operations and more. So thank you, Bana, for joining us today for this podcast. Thank you. Hi, Leah. Hey. Um, and you're joining us from sunny L.A. Um, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um so I think we'll just kind of get into discussing kind of the beginning of your journey um, and then how you transitioned into uh, starting Mama Bana. Um, so obviously you started off in law and that was kind of the field that you were working in to begin with. So what kind of sparked your interest in this field? So the thing, the thing is I always had like creative um, passions as a kid, but I never really thought that they were worthy of a career, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. And obviously, a lot of that is due to, um, you know, parental guidance right. or cultural guidance, so to speak. Sure. Um, and so I, I kind of, I always was also really good at school. Um, and so I was in college, kind of lost, like, what should I do next? And I think like a lot of people, um, you know, you want a career that will allow you to, you know, thrive and flourish financially. Right. Um, and law is one of those careers that I think a lot of people kind of fall into because they want something like prestigious that pays a lot of money. So that's kind of how I fell into it. I was also like really interested in the idea of, um, just developing my brain more, which a, a legal degree does. Um, it really kind of pressures, pushes you into thinking um, in a new way and your analytical skills grow. So mm. I just kind of, I applied and I got in. So I just kind of went with it. That's, wow. <laughs> that's as simple as it is. Yeah. Uh, and I would not recommend that to anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you even mentioned kind of like the, the sort of cultural and parental aspects of it and obviously something I think a lot of people can relate to is you know like the pressures from sometimes like family friends uh, the kind of cultural kind of pressures into you know doing like these big fancy degrees and have these nice fancy titles and jobs um, did that kind of impact or, or was there like a push in that sense or for sure I mean I think that like growing up you're constantly pushed in a, a certain direction um, there might be micro pushes um, you know it's not like as overt as you have to do xyz at least in my case right um, but it was like you know if I start to do something a little bit more creative it was like oh where will this take you type of thing you know Yes. Um, and my parents are so supportive and, you know, all of our parents just want the best for us. Mm. Um, but in their mind, you know, stability is number one, which I mean, in light of coronavirus, it's so clear that stability is a very crucial factor for people to take into consideration. Lawyers yes. aren't getting laid off. Um, yes. Lawyers have their jobs. So, I mean, I, it's definitely a concern that's worth 
um, having. Um, but it, it, I think, yeah, so I was definitely pushed in more of a analytical direction. Like my dad, my parents are both engineers as well. So um, that definitely is a factor. Um, but I think also on my own, right, like it's kind of, it became internalized where I was like, I want to do something that people care about that where I'm like making a difference in the world. Um, and I felt like that kind of the legal degree did do those things and it would pay me a lot of money to be frank. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, I think all of those things contributed. It wasn't just my parents, you know, like I definitely yeah. made the decision um, on, on my own volition, but um, definitely micro pushes along the way and you know feedback from the community when you're doing something like that it's always like so positive like wow look at this look at Bana she's doing this and that and it's right. hard to it's hard to just kind of forget about all of that and do whatever you want you know yeah. no I hear you I think sometimes as well like even though we're living like in in Europe or America and things like that I think we forget sometimes like our parents bring Eritrea along with them, you know, and we're growing up fine in London, in LA, in New York, wherever it might be. But there's still a lot of other kind of traditions and, and other things mixed into our experience of experiencing things, if that makes sense. So like even when we go yeah. through school and choosing your subjects or applying for college or university, as we say here, um, it, it is obviously your thinking and your decision but obviously it's there's a lot of other decisions behind that as well yeah so. and okay. and you know that's not a negative thing like we all belong <laughs> to communities and community matters arguably more than anything else so um it, it's really it's 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 a balance obviously constant between what you in your heart of hearts want but mm. also what people want for you, if, right. especially if it's good, if it's positive and they have your interest, best interest in mind, you know, you have yeah. to take that into consideration as well. Yeah. So obviously just going from that, you then obviously went on to study law and then you worked in probably one of the world's world's like most known companies, Goldman Sachs. Um, so how was your time there? How How did kind of yeah, you reach um, like your position. Um, and then, yeah, what were some kind of key moments during that time? Yeah, so um, after graduating law school, you kind of have two, you have a decision um, on with like two paths, basically. You either go litigation, which means you're like in court, um, <laughs> you know, trying cases, um, or you go transactional, which means you're in-house at a company or, um, at a bank in my case so um, that's kind of, I guess for those who kind of understand it from my head which would be like a barrister and a solicitor right oh wow yeah and those you guys have such fancy terms so, really? so ni much nicer <laughs> kind of be I was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> no I love that yeah exactly that's right okay so cool. so I um yes yeah, so I, I didn't want to be in um in court every day so I went the transactional route and um you know at the time it was at the time I graduated in 2012, it was post-financial crisis. Right. Um, so a large amount of regulations had just come out and banks were just trying to figure out how to implement them into their structures. So um, they hired a lot of lawyers um, at the same time when I joined. Um, so I was helping out, you know, just making sure all of the, the rules and regulations that were passed were, you know, 
all the pipes were connected in the bank so that everything was going to be in compliance with the new rules. So um, it was really interesting at first, I can't lie, <laughs> because we were creating like a whole new structure. So every day is a new challenge. Um, I'm obviously learning all these security laws that I have no context about. Law school doesn't teach you like anything as far as once you step into the door on day one of your first job. <laughs> so it's a lot of information. And so you're kind of I was kind of just like making sure I was grasping everything and doing my job, learned so much Um and it just came to a point where we had developed a lot of the systems that were placed. They were running well. Mm. Um, you know, every once in a while, things would happen and I would, you know, have to figure those issues out. But it came to a point where it was like, OK, do I want to continue um, doing this forever? Do I want my boss's job? Definitely no. Uh, <laughs> do I my boss's boss's job? No way. Like never. Yeah. Um, like I was getting more responsibility and it was like is this the responsibility that I want? Like, if I'm going to get responsibility, I want not, I don't want these responsibilities. <laughs> um, so yeah, so then I was like, because I had gone to law school straight from college, I was like, maybe I should try a different career path. Um, mm. That's like similar to law, but a little bit different. So that's when I went to management consulting. Right. Um, and there I really learned like Excel. And was that still within God Goldman Sachs or did you move... I moved. Yeah, I went to a management consulting firm. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I was put on, you know, your management consulting, you're working on shorter projects, always new stuff. Um, you're like building, um, building models for companies to use in their own like day to day, and then you leave, right, or you build the strategy plan for them, and then you leave. Right. So that was interesting. And I learned a lot of like, technical skills like with Excel and just quantitative skills um, but you know again it was like I wasn't able to use my creativity in the way that I had always dreamt and I always did after work and on the weekends mm -hmm. and stuff so I was I kind of started living for the weekend right and I think a lot of people can identify with that it's like during the week you're grinding you're doing your thing waking up going to work and then the weekends it's like all you have for yourself yeah you know, so yeah, yeah. So um, I recognized that, and I wanted. I knew that I wanted to do something during the week that also gave me joy. You know, mm -hmm. like it didn't have to be a binary like weekend fun week terrible <laughs> thing. Mm -hmm. So you know, I I with the help of the, of a lot of friends and talking it through, I kind of realized that I needed to start doing something more creative. So then I um, I enrolled in a class fashion class oh wow okay um, and things kind of just kept you know going on from there nice and and was that then how like mama bana was born like how did that transition then begin was it you took the class and the idea sort of came to you or was there a specific incident or, or kind of thing that happened yeah I think it was um, probably a mixture of a couple of things definitely like the classes helped me start thinking more in that vein mm. um, and when you start to do something that you actually love doing right you, know, you want more so so yeah so that definitely was a part and then as I mean I was coming to the point at Goldman I was a VP and you know I had been promoted to the level where most people stay for the rest of their careers. Right. Um, and so I was like, okay, I've got here pretty young. Do I want the next promotion? Am I going to work hard enough for the next promotion? Do I want that? And it, it really was, the answer was like a resounding no. 
Wow. So a mixture of those two things kind of, it's just your, you get to the fork in the road and the path kind of opens up, you Mm -hmm. know, it becomes more clear, like, oh, no, I don't want that, but Mm -hmm. I do want this. So that's kind of how it all started. Right. And I can imagine that must have been, I don't know, uh, you probably will know yourself, but was that a hard thing to not just realize but then do like right like there's a lot of people that you know your your VP at Goldman Sachs like that's not an everyday sort of thing right so you realize at that point like actually no you know I don't want to continue here did it take a lot for you to then leave that and and be like no fashion is my calling or was it a bit you know slower build to that yeah I think I think what really allowed me to make the leap was it came to a point where it was scarier to stay at Goldman than to leave. Wow. So that's really, and you know, I I talked about leaving for probably a whole year Mm. (laughs) before I left. So slowly. And then I also, I went to Eritrea um, maybe three months before I finally quit. Okay. Um, And so when I was in Eritrea, obviously, you know, it's such a huge different difference from the day to day at Goldman. Mm. Um, So coming back to the office (laughs) after my time in Eritrea, I was like, um, this isn't for me. Yeah. This is just really not for me. And it became scarier to then imagine myself going to this job every day where my heart was not there. Mm. Um, and you know, I think a lot of us live out of fear, like fear is our primary driver. And once I recognized that the fear of not succeeding or the fear of not making a lot of money or the fear of, you know, um, my, my creative um, creations, not getting a lot of love, you know, that was what was driving me to stay at Goldman. Mm. Um, And so once I realized that it was fear that was driving my decisions, I had to make that hard shift in the car and just say you know where am I driving to if I'm at the end of the road in 10 years if my whole life is driven off of fear where am I gonna be yeah yeah no I can understand and it's yeah I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that can definitely relate to especially the fear driving and and sometimes it doesn't always present itself as fear as well like it it might take a lot for you to even for sure underneath all of this because it's you know nice and fancy and you know for sure you know this and that and all the perks so Definitely. wow yeah and definitely uh, yeah. just to add on to that point I mean I think a, another factor was you know I was making a lot of money and I got an amazing apartment mm. um, I was able to buy anything I wanted I was right. able to spend kind of without thinking um, but at the end of the day I still wasn't happy yeah so once I reached that point, it, that was just another confirmation that I can't be doing. I would rather be in a small apartment sharing with roommates, doing something that I love than having all of this fat stuff and just wasting away and waiting for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so like now, you know, you then obviously quit your job. And so how did then Mama Bana begin? Like, was it then full steam go ahead with that or yeah yeah so um after I started taking the fashion course um Mm -hmm. I just started sketching a lot just like drawing out things that I would want to wear or make for myself um and I think slowly I just I don't even remember like what it was exactly but I just 
remember thinking, you know, as Eritreans, we have zurias and stuff that we can wear to weddings. But what if I want to wear something just on a day to day basis, like and just rep my country, but in a cool way, not like uh, um, not not like in your face, I'm Eritrean, but just like in a natural way that every other culture does, you know, like Dominicans have their thing. Um, Jamaicans, Caribbean, entire Caribbean has their thing. Right. Um, a lot, you know, West Africa has Afrobeats and a lot of other things. Like, mm-hmm. what do we have for us that we can kind of bring to the nas- the um, to the global conversation that's happening, like with right. diaspora? Right. Um, and what can we wear? Like, I just, yeah, I want to rep my set all the time, yeah. but I have nothing to do that with. So. Right. Um, so it, it, that's, that's really how it started. And I just once I think once you get any idea, and you start really thinking about it and spending your time on it, it just continues to unfold and get bigger and better and more clear. So that's really how it started. Yeah. And, and did that take a long time? I mean, obviously, you know, to kind of design and, and make a business and obviously you were working in in fashion um and, and trying to design you know clothing and things like that could you kind of like just walk us through the sort of business aspects of it if if you can um for sure yeah so um so yeah so I was sketching a lot and then um I had an idea for creating a fabric a custom fabric that was based off of you know something Eritrean Um, And I really didn't think about a company at this point. I was just kind of working just from my heart and just feeling things out. So I got a fabric developed. I made a fabric myself um, and I got it printed on actual fabric, which is crazy. (laughs) Um, And then I was like, okay, let me see what I can do with this. Um, Let me make something that I would want to wear. So I made a set, um, a button-down top and some basketball shorts. Oh, nice. And I was like, this will be my, like, this can be like a uniform, you know? I always love wearing basketball shorts and it's unisex, which is my thing. I love unisex stuff. Um, so, yeah, so I made that first set. And then I was like, oh, wow, I think that there's something bigger here. Right. <laughs> you know, this is not where I want it to end. Like, I want to continue doing this. Um, and, you know, I'm with... I with a when you're around a lot of creative people as well i think they really help you to um push yourself mm. in that creative direction like i don't know if i could have by myself thought to start a business um from this one set but um with the help of when people see it they're like wow that's fire like what are you going to what are you going to do next you know <laughs> wearing your your stuff yeah okay yeah. cool. so I just started wearing it and people were like oh wow you know like what are you going to do next like asking questions and I was like okay <laughs> I need to do something next I guess you know um, and it literally just snowballed from there I, I made a video with some friends um, yeah in the brand and it kind of just continued to go and I'm really like still feeling it out like where to which direction to take um, but you know, I identified something that I love. And so that extra, those extra efforts become kind of like natural, you know. It almost seems like part and parcel with your passion, you know, and it, it, it kind of, I think this brings us nicely to my next question, which is about kind of what have been some of the sacrifices and, and sort of challenges um, and the decisions that you've, you've had to make um, in order for Mama Bag to come to life? 
Yeah. I mean, definitely leaving the job was, I mean, it's a huge financial decision that anyone would have to make. Mm. Um, so, you know, I saved a lot of money um, before I did that, before I actually left. Um, and, you know, financially, it's always like when you're used to making a certain amount of money, you have to you have to really bring all of your costs down. So, um, you know, it's not easy, but at the same time, it's when you have a larger purpose, um, it doesn't feel as burdensome. Mm. Um, but that's definitely, I'd say that that's probably the top, the top, uh, uh obstacle that I've had to, um, to, uh, face. Mm. I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people have trouble with uncertainty, and I do too, but um, uncertainty is, I mean, it's tough. You don't, I don't know what's going to happen in a year from now. I don't know what's ha- going to happen in three years from now, um, whereas with a legal career, you know, you, you do know. Like, if you put in X amount of work, you know that, like, Y will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that, it's a mind shift for sure, and it's more like, I can't really... Uh, extrapolate 10 years into the future yet um you know but in job and you know that's like the famous job interview question where do you see yourself in 10 years like I have no idea don't stress me out like (laughs) I know why do people ask that question I wish I knew and and I don't know like sometimes it's like what would an acceptable answer be it's like yeah what's going to be a no like and what's going to be a yes here I, I don't know if it's just like this nice or easy quote unquote question that they just add in to kind of like yeah (laughs) or if they want to just like see if you um like really know what you want like what this what this job will get you to what what your end goal is but I mean I think with goals too like you don't know like you don't know what you're it's hard for me I have to speak for myself it's hard for me to know what my goals are before I've reached like right before the goal Right. I can see like I now I'm at the top of the mountain. I can see what there is. Yeah. When I was at the bottom of the mountain. I can't I couldn't see what it was, you know, and things change along the way too. like sometimes what you want. And then as you're doing what you got to do to get there, you're like, eh. exactly. But you see exactly. something up and you're like, oh, OK, this seems like good. Right. And that road. So sometimes it's not, you know, necessarily like this straight linear path, which I think you know, a lot of the time, especially maybe like in school or things like that, you're kind of like prompted to believe, right? right. The For real sure. world is very different. Yeah. <laughs> the real and, world is very different. Yeah. And you have to be kind to yourself too and mm-hmm. recognize and trust yourself. Like every time you're, um, you know, you're in a place to decide which path you want to go or you're not liking something, you have to really listen to yourself and say, oh, there's something about this that I don't like and I want to maybe pivot to mm-hmm. this other thing or, you know, you have to trust yourself because I think you are, I mean, you are your guiding light, you know, mm-hmm. you can't let something else be your guiding light. Other Then you'll, you'll end up in a place that maybe you don't even want. Right. Yeah. But if you, if you allow yourself to be the guiding light, then you'll make, decisions along the way that will favor you in in the end Mm. no that's that's really yeah wise (laughs) um (laughs) and um just kind of moving forward you already touched upon this but you know I was looking at your website and um really cool website by the way which I I hope everyone will check out after this podcast but um you've described on your website that 
Um, Mama Banner is a streetwear brand inspired by Eritrean culture and bringing it into the future. Um, can you kind of talk us through how the kind of, you know, you mentioned earlier, you wanted a kind of subtle-ish way of really showing, you know, your your roots and your country of origin and being Eritrean. So how was that kind of displayed stylistically? Um, what kind of choices have you made in, in the business or the branding to reflect that? For sure. Great question. Um, so by bringing it into the future, I mean, um, it, it feels like a lot of our traditions have kind of hit a standstill. Mm. Um, you know, like I haven't seen much innovation mm. when it comes to our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just feels like any culture, um, in order for it to thrive, it needs to change. Mm. And um you know, and, and be seen through the eyes of young people, I think, mm. most importantly. Um, you know, we all are not only Eritrean, but we are members of your, you know, your British, mm-hmm. American. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have a different lens with which we view Eritrean culture as well. And we add to it. It's additive. We're not taking away from it because we are diaspora. Mm-hmm. Um, so by pushing into the future, I mean bringing it into the larger conversation. Um, and, you know, there's so many elements of our culture that are universal um, that a lot of people can identify with if only they knew about it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like one of the big things that I hope to do um, is kind of unearth these cultural elements and just show the universality of them mm. and that everyone can identify with the Eritrean experience um, Eritrean people, our comedy, our humor, like yeah. hilarious. We're hilarious, but no one knows that because no people one don't does. speak to Grunia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so stylistically, um, it's more, I mean, it's definitely colored by my style for sure. Um, I wanted, it all started because I wanted to be able to wear something, you know, that was inspired by the culture. Um, so I really just look at it like if I uh, was out shopping and I saw this shirt just minus the fact that it has any Eritrean influence would I like it would I buy it right um and that's like the I mean that's like the litmus test for sure so mm-hmm. if I if I look at it and I'm like I'd buy this only because I'm Eritrean no right cut it. yeah no I, I I think that's really cool and and definitely like an, a new way of of kind of like putting your own twist onto something that is already set like you said yeah way of bringing you know your roots or being born uh, being raised and brought up in America um what that means to you and how you kind of see that with your Eritreanness, you know yeah you... so For I think sure. it's cool um and kind of going now if we were to kind of just dig into to Mama Vanna obviously it's still fairly new um but obviously there's there's been a lot of talk about it and you've I was looking at your websites and all these tops and and other items are like sold out. And how has the experience been? And have there been any kind of notable achievements or or challenges um, that you faced, you know, so far in your journey? Yeah, I mean, it's so amazing because the feedback is so beautiful. Um, And our people are so just naturally so um, supportive Mm. um, that, you know, like, I'm, it's just, I never, I mean, I never did this thinking that I would get like love from the community, you know, 
Um, But I think that there's something to be said about um, Eritreans seeing themselves on in clothing um, that is kind of like mind blowing a little bit to people like someone cared enough (laughs) to do this, you know. Um, So the feedback has been awesome. And yeah, I definitely have a a problem with selling out too fast (laughs) than working on it. Um, But yeah, so I mean, continuing to grow it, continuing to develop the story is something huge um, for me. Um, As far as like um, achievements or milestones, it's really hard to say at this point. Um, It's been like less than a year I mean, I definitely, anytime someone sends me a message like, oh my God, I love you, but I'm in London. Like, um, can you guys get it out in London or in Canada or Germany? I love those messages, but it breaks my heart. Like, I feel like there's so much um, opportunity to expand to Mm. places in Europe. Um, So definitely trying to work on that. I think that will be a big milestone uh, once it happens. Um, But yeah, for now, just really um, trying to, deepen our design um, and just get more products out there because I think that, you know, there comes a point where people want more and more and more and we're doing kind of like a, we're kind of at a slow pace right now. Yeah. Um, So I'm just trying to like use this time to develop a lot of things. Um, We have, we have a a drop coming out um, soon. So hopefully that will create some more opportunities for product as well. Yeah, no, you, I can't wait for it to be able to, to be uh, here in London. I will definitely happily be a London ambassador for you. So, Aww, thank you. yeah, let us know. Um, and everyone, please go and check out and support Mama Banner. Um, and just as we're kind of getting to the end, um, but I guess something that is always good to, to ask is, um, are there any sort of aspects that you wish you'd done differently? Um, and... You know, you even mentioned the kind of support. Um, w- was it easy even to to kind of gain people's support? Even, you know, you mentioned earlier your your family and things like that. Did people kind of quickly say, oh, wow, like, you know, this is amazing? Or was that a difficult conversation to, to have? Definitely not easy. I mean, I think that I have the vision of something that I, anybody, whenever you want to start something, you have the vision Um, It's really hard to describe that vision to someone else and have them fully understand what you're planning to do, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when you after you leave your job that was paying you a lot of money. Right. So, um, you know, like it's definitely like after seeing all of the, the support and stuff, it definitely helps other people to see that, you know, not only is this working, um, but that other people rock with it and really love it. You know, I think that that really changed the way, especially my parents looked at it. Um, Mm. And now my dad calls me all the time. He's like, I have an idea for you. And he'll give (laughs) me like random, like (laughs) marketing ideas and stuff. It's so funny. But um, I think like you always have to, if you have the vision, you have to trust the vision and Mm. you can't really, I think a lot of times our people um, rely on um, rely on outside motivations, like from like uh, what is the word? Um, uh, what's the word? Pe- we rely on um, 
oh my god not affirmation but something like that like we rely on other people giving us like the go ahead or yeah the green light the green light yeah but it's like that never works for me like I have to kind of see it myself and then you know people will come because they eventually they'll see it too Mm. so what I was asking at the beginning was just about any sort of uh aspects that you wish you'd done differently I mean, I think I think it always helps, especially for those uh, listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. It always helps to develop your idea while you have a job mm. so that when you decide to leave your job, you can just go start running. Right. Unfortunately for me, I just reached a point where I could no longer wait like that much longer to develop my idea because just mentally I was exhausted. Mm. Um, so I would just urge people, you know, if you're in a job that you're starting to not like that's when you should start thinking about what do I actually want to do rather than being exhausted and, you know, just ready to leave today and then, you know, kind of being flat footed. Um, So that, that would be, that'd be the thing that I would change for sure. And, and now obviously you've, you've mentioned a few things, you've dropped a couple of things for us, but generally what is the ambition for Mama Bana um, and, and what do you hope for it? in the future are you gonna see it through until you're actually like a mama and (laughs) and or what what is the the kind of like yeah where do you see the future for yourself and I'm asking you that interview question now so no 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 but I mean it's fair it's fair because it's my own vision right so it's different but um (laughs) I definitely I mean it's definitely evolving over Mm. time like there's some I mean clothes obviously will forever be a staple but you know, storytelling is something that's really interesting to me. Um, you know, community building. There's a lot of things that I think that a lot of avenues that it could take. Mm. Um, but I, for now, I'm really focused on the fashion portion mm-hmm. um, because I think, I mean, in general, you can't really develop something unless you're fully zoned in right. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, of, of you know, hopefully things will evolve and who I really don't know where else it will take me but I do know that it's something that I want to do forever so that's like a huge I mean I feel like I'm so new to this but I can already tell you that I want to continue forever so yeah I I can I can hear that in your voice as well and just kind of as we we finish up um so with these pep talks podcasts we've got a couple of questions that we want to ask all our guests um and the first um, would be, what tips do you have for anyone looking to get into your field, be it law field, but also fashion? So for law, I'd say the best advice I could give someone is talk to as many lawyers as possible mm-hmm. who are practicing um, and try to figure out if you like any of, if you want to do anything that they're doing, like any of the things that they're doing before you decide to go to law school. Because I think law school is sold as this kind of like, um, post-college degree like a generalized post-college degree um, and it does give you a huge leg up in any field you'll eventually go into but um, obviously if you're going to spend that much money it's worth figuring out if you like the job mm. <laughs> um, and I think that that's critical so that's for law mm. um, and and I'm happy to talk to anyone who wants to go into law obviously you know where I stand but <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, as far as fashion 
the thing that I did, I didn't even mention this yet, but um, while I was at Goldman, I started interning after work at a fashion company nice. um, at a brand. So I would go after work and on weekends to work for this brand. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah, so I was working seven days a week for some months. Um, but it definitely like seeing the dichotomy of how happy I was at Goldman versus at the brand and wanting to lean into one thing more than the other definitely helped me make my decision. Mm. So I just say, yeah, make steps in the direction you want, even if it's just exploratory, mm. um, you'll eventually figure out if you like it or not. So just continue, just because you're not in college anymore doesn't mean that you can't explore different things. Right. And um, the next question that I was going to ask you before we conclude is um, what advice would you uh, wish someone gave you, um, you know, during this whole process? Is there anything that you kind of wish you might have had heard? Wow. (laughs) Advice I wish someone gave me. Um, I mean, I think that there's definitely something to be said about um, being young in your 20s and feeling like you have to follow somebody else's path. Mm. Um, And I think a lot of us, you know, I mean, there's something very secure about following someone else's path, but um, it's so much more enjoyable and um, gratifying when you create your own path. Mm -hmm. Um, There's nothing about you that's, I mean, now I sound like a, like a pastor or something but there's nothing there's nothing about you that's the same as somebody else like it's all it's not a one-size-fits-all type of thing sure Um, and it took me a long time to realize that very long time to realize that so um I mean I think it's also it's not something someone can tell you and it kind of just clicks it's something you have to develop an understanding of by yourself but um that if I had known that earlier some people come to that understanding much earlier Mm. Um, and then they're less scared to go on and do whatever their heart desires. Um, yeah. But that would be probably the most important thing. Yeah, no, that's that's really good advice. And what advice um, would you now give, um, particularly people that are listening, if there's anyone out there that might be thinking of transitioning, you know, from uh, a field to another field, what advice would you give anyone? Um, there's advice that my friend gave me that I thought was amazing. So I'll share it again. Uh Um, so I always knew that I wanted to do fashion, but I kind of, kind of was stuck in my like subconscious. And I think that if you really look at the things that you do when you're not working, um, and, um, like what you do in your free time that you just will never stop doing because you love it that is usually a really good hint at what you could create into, or you can make into a career. Mm. Does that make sense? So like I was always shopping online (laughs) at all times of the day, always (laughs) cutting up my clothes. I was always like just spend hours in my room putting together different outfits for no reason, just like because I thought it was fun. Yeah. Um, And then I realized like, that's because I love it. You know, it's not something that will ever leave me. It's part of me. So that's kind of a good process to go through to imagine what your, what your best life would be. Right. And sometimes I guess like the answer is just there. Like sometimes we, we kind of go searching and yes, out lists and you know, what I do and da, 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 da. But 
it seems like as well the the answers kind of exactly. are already there. exactly um and on a final note which is probably just as serious um if you had to choose between gaat kitcha or full for breakfast for Ooh. a year which one would you choose and why for definitely full for a year yeah i have got every every day for a year i feel like after i have got like i pass out like mentally yeah <laughs> yeah no full is full is i mean nutritious mm. it has all the colors on it yeah clear answer full that's nice i, I think <laughs> i will go with that now that you say that to you but thank you so so much banna for joining us it's been like an amazing story to hear of kind of where you started and where you are now and i'm sure there's more amazing things that we're going to see from you and yeah thank you again um for everyone listening we're going to list all of um banner's details and mama banner's um website below so you can check that out and we hope to see you um joining us for our next podcast So that brings us to the end of this episode of Pep Talks. To keep up to date with the latest episodes and news, make sure to sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website www.pepcommunity.org. And please do follow us on our social media which are all linked in the podcast description. We hope that you tune in next time.